So a question for you all. Um, how many of you watched some of the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, you're, n you're not alone. Turns out about 60% of the people in America watched at least some portion of the Super Bowl, which is around 200 million people, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And I'm guessing that some of you watched it because you're maybe like, you were a diehard Chiefs or Eagles fan. You really cared about the game. Um, some of like, nope. But a lot more people, I'm guessing, watched it because of the commercials. Am I right? They're like, yeah, it's true. I mean, if you think about it, Super Bowl commercials are the most expensive advertisements that you can buy. Companies will spend like six, seven million dollars on a 30-second spot. So it's interesting to see like, well, they put a lot of time and thought and effort into that, so it's interesting to watch and see what you came up with. Um, and if you watch the Super Bowl this year, you notice that there were actually two advertisements that were put out by that company, the company that created the video that we just watched. And the, the idea behind that company is really interesting. They, they're a faith-based group that puts that out. And they came to this realization, okay, if people in our country think about Jesus at all, which is an if for a lot of people, they tend to think about him as, you know, this sort of divine power floating off on a cloud, like pretty removed from us and our normal existence and what we go through on a day-to-day -day basis. So they created these ads to try to create a very different message, which is that he gets us, right? He gets us. He understands what it is like to be where we are and to live. And, and that's, I think that, that risk of seeing Jesus as far removed from our experience, I think that's something that those of us who grew up in the church, we, we can find fall into that trap as well because we think about him as God. We just think about how different that is than us. Um, well, this morning we're continuing on in a sermon series that we're calling The Jesus I Wish You Knew. And in this series, what we're doing each week is we're going back to the four biographies of Jesus that we have in the New Testament. Uh, they were, we call them the Gospels. They were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And for the most part, the guys who wrote those biographies, they, they knew Jesus. They had eaten with him, traveled with him, talked with him, observed him. And, and their lives were so transformed by the encounter that they had with Jesus that they came to the conclusion that everybody needed to know about this man. So they wrote these, these biographies to help get the word out. And basically, these books are an invitation saying, I want you to come and meet the Jesus that I wish that you knew. And the, the way we're looking at that this morning, the, the truth that we're looking at this morning is that the Jesus that they wish we knew, he does know what it's like to be us. Like, he does get us. He, he knows the, the joys and the sorrows, the highs and lows that we all experience. Uh, Jesus knows what it's like to be you and to experience what you're going through. But here's the, the takeaway from that. Like, because Jesus understands what it is like to be us, he actually is in a position to help us in a way that no one else can, right? Because Jesus really understands what it's like. Uh, to get started, I want to invite you to turn with me in the Bible to John chapter 1. Uh, if it would help for any reason, there's some red Bibles in those seats in front of you. You can grab one and turn to the page number that's there on the screen. But at the beginning of John's biography, John kind of waxes poetic in his introduction. He's, he sort of talks about Jesus. He calls him the Word, and he talks about how the Word existed from the beginning, and when the Word came, it brought light and life into the darkness of our world. But then in verse 14, he says something that's really, really important. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, don't just skip over this. John is saying something very profound here. He's saying that in Jesus, like God himself took on a human body and learned what it was like to be in this world, to walk around in our physical world, literally in our shoes, or I guess our sandals back then. Um, and the way that theologians talk about that is by using the word incarnation, which is kind of a 50-cent word. But if you speak Spanish, you get an inside track on, on where this language comes from. So if anybody's taking Spanish, do you guys know what the word for meat is in Spanish? 
has carne, right? So carne is like if you go to a restaurant and you want to order meat, you say that. Carne also describes like the meat on an animal or the, the flesh on a person. And really what happened in the incarnation is that God was put in the carne, right? He, he was put in human flesh. He took on a human body and walked around on our world. And, and if you stop and think, just stop and think about for a second what that means, like what you have in common with Jesus. Like when Jesus, his human body experienced everything that our bodies experienced. So for example, Jesus got hungry, just like you get hungry. There's this great little passage, I think it's in Matthew's biography of Jesus, where we read this. It says, early the next morning, Jesus was returning to the city. He was hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree alongside the road, he approached it, anticipating a breakfast of figs. Okay, so how many of you have ever skipped breakfast before? Maybe you're running late in the morning, you get out the door late, you're in a hurry, but you realize you're hungry, so you swing by 7-Eleven or a fast food restaurant because you just need something quick to eat. This is the part where you can respond in the sermon. It's totally okay to do that, right? Like, yeah, Jesus gets that, right? Jesus understands what it's like to be hungry in the morning and to look for breakfast somewhere. And it wasn't just hunger. If you stop and think about it, I mean, I don't know about you all, but like, I really like food. I mean, I like the way it smells. I like the way it tastes. And Jesus, I think, experienced that same love of food that we have. In fact, if you, if you read the Bible, Jesus spends a lot of time at dinner parties. Seems like he's always eating with people. So that, that feeling that we get, right, as humans, like when you walk into the house and you smell like um, fresh-baked cookies, right? Jesus understands that feeling. I am confident that at times Jesus showed up at one of these dinner parties and saw some of his favorite dishes spread out there on the table, and his face just lit up, right? Because he's like, oh, I get to eat this. I'm excited about that. Uh, Jesus' body got tired. At one point in John's biography of Jesus, he says that after a a long morning of walking, Jesus was tired, so he sat down by a well. Uh, At another instance, Jesus is so exhausted after a day of preaching and healing people, he falls asleep in a boat, and there's a storm. The storm doesn't even wake him up, so we read this. It says that Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So have you ever been so out of it that you slept through your alarm clock? And somebody had to literally, like, kind of rouse you awake? Yeah, Jesus understands what that's like. He's been tired like that. Or how many of us have ever had that, that good kind of physical tired? Like you just played hard in a sport that you love or you exercised or maybe you spent the whole afternoon working in the yard and you got a bunch of stuff accomplished and at the end of the day your body's tired but it's that, it's that good satisfied kind of tired. Like Jesus understood that. He knew what it was like to have a human body. And so think about what that means for how that connects to your day-to-day life. Um, it means that when we sit down at a table to eat our favorite meal and we're just excited about that, Like, we can celebrate that with God because he understands what it's like for our body to take nourishment in in a way that tastes good and that we enjoy. Um, But we also have to think about our bodies in the other way too, right? Because sometimes some of the struggles that we face in life comes because we are in carne as well. Um, We get tired. We get exhausted and not in a good way from working too hard or doing too much, right? Sometimes as we get older, we realize, as I'm figuring out, Our bodies don't quite do the things they used to do anymore, at least not without some groaning and some protesting, right? Or at any age, like, we can have pain. Uh, We can get sick. Couples deal with infertility. We get a diagnosis of cancer, right? All of those things happen. And and that idea, that idea of your body not working and the pain, that the things come, like, Jesus understands that, right? When Jesus was on the cross, he endured unimaginable pain. As he was hanging there, all of his organs, all of his human systems suffered and began to shut down. So if physical pain is part of your story, you just need to know that Jesus understands that. 
right? The Jesus that I wish you knew gets what you're going through. He has been through things like that. And it's not just the the physical part of our bodies, right? I mean, Jesus knew what it was like to be human in every way. So that includes all sorts of things. So the New Testament book of Hebrews talks about that. And at one point it says this, it says, for this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like them, fully human in every way, because he himself suffered as he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. A couple of chapters later, it says that Jesus is not someone who is unable to empathize with our weakness, right? Empathy, right? Jesus, Jesus understood everything about what it was like to be human, including the emotions that we feel. And I think that is something that is so important to remember, because sometimes I think we sort of fall into this trap of thinking about Jesus as if he didn't, didn't experience emotions. I mean, yeah, he's got like a flesh and blood, blood body, but you know, his inner core is like this immutable godness, so things don't... It, I think about him, sometimes we wonder if Jesus is like the Terminator, right? He looks like us on the outside, he'll bleed, but he's this robot on the inside that feels nothing. But all of the authors of Scripture would join their voices together to say that is not true. Like the people who wrote these biographies, they knew Jesus. They, they believed at first that he was a man, and then they can become convinced that he was God. But they knew that he was a full man who experienced all of the emotions that we feel. Like Jesus knew what it was like to feel joy. Right? The very first uh, miracle that Jesus is recorded as doing, he turns water into wine at a wedding so that the party can keep going. Right? He wants to have a good time. Jesus knew what it was like to be angry. Right? He flips over the tables in the temple that the money changers are going through. And personally, I am convinced that Jesus had a really good sense of humor. In fact, if you read the parables, a lot of these stories that he told, they have these really exaggerated, over-the-top images that I'm sure were designed to kind of get a chuckle out of people in that day and age. So, so think about that. Like, if you've, have, you ever, have you ever laughed so hard that you just found yourself crying? Or have you ever had those moments where like, you, just, you almost feel like you are going to burst because you were just overwhelmed by the beauty and the goodness of life in the world? Like, Jesus understands that. Jesus felt those kinds of emotions. Um, but we all know that our emotions aren't always rainbows and unicorns, right? I mean, sometimes they take a darker turn, and, and Jesus understood that too. Like, for example, Jesus knew what it was like to really face fear and to face anxiety. On the night where he was going to be arrested and led away to his execution, uh, Jesus, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the physical pain he was going to go through, and he was scared, and he didn't want to do it. So he goes to a garden, and, and he prays. He asks God, God, if there's any other way we can do this, like, what's plan B look like? And God didn't answer him in a way that he wanted. But look what the, the, the biography says. It says, at this point, that Jesus is in anguish, right? Being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood that are falling to the ground. So that, that medical condition is called hematohydrosis. And basically what happens, if you look on Wikipedia, which is the extent of my medical knowledge, um, basically what happens is the, the capillaries that, that feed blood to the sweat glands, they burst, right? So blood gets into the sweat glands, you end up sweating blood. It's a pretty rare medical condition, but it happens. And one of the things that causes it is the body's response to extreme levels of stress and tension and fear and anxiety. It's like your body's flight or fight response kicks into such overdrive that it just doesn't know what to do and things just start popping. Like, Jesus knew what it was like to be terrified, to be anxious, to be worried. And Jesus wasn't afraid to cry. Um, I want us to watch just a real brief video from that same group he gets us that addresses this.
So that, that verse refers back to what's actually the shortest verse in the entire Bible, uh, John eleven thirty five. 35. On a side note, if anybody ever challenges you to memorize a verse of the Bible, this is a pretty good one to start with. It's like five words, even if you learn the, the reference and everything. Um, but it, it goes back to this story, right? Jesus was friends with this family. There was a brother, Lazarus, and two sisters, Mary. The grief that Mary and Martha are going through. And he enters into that. He's just overwhelmed by sorrow for the loss of his friend. For what they're going through, he sympathizes with them. And that's when he weeps. So, I mean, again, think about what that means. Have you ever been anxious? I mean, have you ever been worried about the future and what it might bring? Um, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night? I do this sometimes. I feel like there's, there's like gears in my head, and I wake up in the middle of the night, and one of those gears is worries and anxieties, and sometimes it clicks into place, and like, I forget about going back to sleep, right? I mean, do you ever have that experience where you're like, I wonder how I'm going to handle this in the future? Well, Jesus knows what that's like. Or have you ever mourned the loss of somebody that you love? Like it could be somebody who was taken too young. Or it could be somebody like my granddad who was in his 80s and lived a full, wonderful life. Still, when I got the news that this figure in my life was gone, I just, I broke down and I wept. Right? Well, Jesus understands all of that. He's not this robot with human flesh around him. He knows what it's like. And he understands not just, you know, the, about having a physical body and having emotions. Like, Jesus also understands what it's like to be a human being in relationship, right? We were created to live and work in relationships with each other. And Jesus understood all of the highs and lows of that, right? Jesus had an incredible group of friends who loved him and cared for him and supported him. Like, who were there to encourage him and be with him and travel with him. Right? And we've experienced that. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever been the recipient of maybe it was a friend or family member who had just the right word at the right time to support you, to encourage you, to lift you up? I mean, Jesus knew what that was like. He experienced those kinds of relationships. But we also know that relationships aren't always perfect. Right? Our friends fail us. They don't come through when we need them to. Sometimes we feel betrayed. Well, again, Jesus gets all of that too. There's one more short video that I want us to watch. So let's go back a second to the garden, you know, where Jesus is praying so hard that he's sweating blood. Like, he actually brought three of his closest friends with him to the garden that night so that they could be with him, they could accompany him, they could be a presence, and they all fall asleep. And then later that night, the only reason that Jesus is arrested is because one of his inner circle took a bribe and sold him out and betrayed him to the authorities. And then when he is on trial and executed, all of the people who were closest to him, for the most part, pretended like they didn't even know him and ran for their lives. Like Jesus was completely alone and abandoned in the darkest and the hardest moments of his life. So has that ever been you? I mean, have you ever felt betrayed by somebody that you thought had your back? Have you ever felt alone or abandoned? Well, you better believe that Jesus gets that, that he understands that too. And again, in every aspect that we can think of, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, Jesus understands what it is like to be where we are. And there's some real power in that. Like I mentioned this at the beginning, but because Jesus understands what it's like to be where we are, he then can offer help in ways that no one else can. And I think he can do that in a couple of different ways. One of which is that because Jesus was human, he really does fully understand anything that you're going through 
And he can be with you in that. He can accompany you in that for this place of understanding. Uh, you know, sometimes when we go through very difficult times, like, it's not like there's a magic bullet that can get us out of the circumstances that we're in. But just having somebody around who knows what we're going through, who really knows, can make such a difference. I remember there was a very vivid example of that. Um, in our first couple of years here in Corvallis, uh, I got to know a young man in our community, a young father, two young kids. Uh, he was dying of a brain tumor. And because I'd been able to spend some time with him near the end of his life, um, I got a text one morning from his mom just saying, hey, uh, if you want to say goodbye, you need to come today. I think this is going to be his last day. Um, so I go over and spend most of the day with them kind of as, as a pastor with his parents and with his soon-to-be widow. And, you know, I'm trying to offer what comfort I can in the role that I have, and I think it was something. But mid-morning, uh, this young man showed up who was a friend of the guy who was passing away, and he had lost one of his children a few years before to this really horrific illness. And it was a very, very different experience for him to be there and to sit down with the parents and to say, I know how hard this is. I know what it is like to lose a child. I know how that pain is still with us every single day, but I also know how God has been faithful to us in the process, how God's people have been his hands and feet that have helped carry us through the unimaginable grief that you are going through. So there were some things that I could do in my role, but because he had experienced fully what they were experiencing, his presence brought comfort and support that mine just couldn't bring. And I watched how that made a real difference for them that day. So stop for a moment and just think about where you are. Right, a lot of us, we're in a lot of different places in life. Some of us, man, we're, things are pretty good. Right? Things are going well. We're enjoying life. And just know that God is with you in that. Right? He celebrates that with you. He accompanies you in that. But for others of us, we, we may be navigating real difficulties. And if we are in a difficult spot, we need to remember that we are not alone. Like we are deeply, deeply loved by the God who created us and by the God who completely understands what we're going through. Uh, by the God who promises that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. By the God who promises that when we walk through the water, we're not going to drown. When we walk through the fire, we're not going to be consumed. We are not alone in this. The God who gets it is with us. And while that may not change our circumstances, I do think that it's everything that we need to keep going. So Jesus really does understand us because he was human. Um, but if Jesus wasn't more than human, there's not much more he could do for us, right? I mean, if Jesus isn't more than human, he's just like a really good therapist, or he's a, a good friend who's empathetic and can offer you a listening ear, right? But because we believe that Jesus is more than human, he, he can offer us support in ways that he can't. Like, he can fully understand where all of us all around the world are at the same time and be present with all of us, right? And because he is more, he is our true and present source of hope and help. It's only because he is more that he stands outside of humanity that we believe he has the power to speak into and help and rescue humanity. It's because he is more that he can provide us with the power of the Holy Spirit that can do in us and through us more than we could ever imagine. It's because he's more that we can find a peace that goes beyond our understanding, a strength that goes beyond anything that we can muster up on our own. Because he is more, we find real hope for real change. Because he is more than just human, it means that the chapter that we are in right now isn't the last chapter of our story. Right? Because Jesus is more, it means that our past and our present don't get to tell us what our future is going to look like. 
And friends, that, that, is the, that is the picture of the Jesus that I wish you knew, the picture that we see in John 1, and I think we see all throughout Scripture. Right? It's a God who loved this world so much that he didn't stay at a distance. Instead, he actually came to the extent of putting on a human body to come and live as we live, to know what we know so that he could do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, to rescue us and to show us what it means to truly be alive in him today. And and whether you currently live that way or not, every single one of us, we were designed to live a full and free life where God's spirit empowers us to live in a right relationship with him, a right relationship with each other, and a right relationship with the world around us. And all of us, all of us mess that up on a regular basis, right? All of us, we let fear, fear of not having enough, fear of not being enough, fear of not seeming enough, drive us to make really stupid and selfish decisions a lot of the time that, that break against what God is wanting for us. But, but we don't have to live that way any longer, right? That's the power of the gospel. I mean, it doesn't matter how dark our situation is. Jesus understands it, it can meet us in it, it can help us find a way out. I love the way that a man named N.T. Wright put it. He said, There is nothing we face today or tomorrow or the next day in which Jesus cannot sympathize, help, and rescue us and through which he cannot forge a way to God's new world. Think about that. There is nothing that we are going through that Jesus doesn't fully understand and out of which Jesus can't lead us to forge a way forward to God's new world and the life that he has for us. So as we prepare to close our time together today, we're going to do something a little bit, uh, little bit different than what we normally do. Uh, I'm going to pray in just a moment. The musicians are going to come forward, and we're going to have a, an extended time of singing at the end of the service. And, and during those songs, we're going to open up the front of our sanctuary. And if you would like to pray, we just want to invite you to come forward and do that. If you would like to have someone pray with you, I'm going to have the, some of the pastors from the church and some of our elders, they're going to come forward and they're just going to be sitting along the front row. So if you want somebody to pray with you, you can come, you can kneel on the steps as people have done in the past. You can tap somebody on the shoulder who's on the front row and ask them to pray for you. But if there's anything going on in your life, big or small, we would consider it a real privilege to pray with you, to pray to the God who understands exactly what it's like to be where you are right now and to the God who is able to move you from where you are and to forge a way forward into the life that God has for you. So if the musicians want to come forward, if the pastors and elders want to come forward, we're going to pray, and then we're just going to open this space up for you to do whatever business with God you need to do. Would you pray with me? God, we are so grateful uh, that you are here. We are grateful that you truly understand what it is like to be us, which is just sort of a mind-blowing thing when we stop and think about it. Uh, the joys and the sorrows, the little things and the big things. God, there is nothing that we go through that you don't fully understand. But because you're more than just a man, there's nothing that we go through where we can't receive the power and the help that we need to change and to persevere and to keep going and to keep moving forward into the life that you have for us. God, there's a lot of people in this room today. I don't know all of them. I don't know all of their stories. Um, But I know you. And I know that you want to come and move in the lives and the minds and the hearts of each person here. So God, whether people choose to come forward or just to to speak with you in their seats where they are, God, just come. Would you come and help us know what it is that you have for us today? Would you help us listen to you? Amen.